Welcome to Land Life, a podcast for North Coast landholders by North Coast Local Land Services. This podcast is all about sharing knowledge and experience with landholders across our region to support farm productivity and healthy environments. North Coast Local Land Services acknowledges the traditional custodians of all the nations on which we live, work and play. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening to this podcast. In today's episode, we'll hear from North Coast LLS Emergency Management Coordinator Piers Harper on getting your animals ready for the coming fire season. Piers talks to landholder David Duff on his experience in the 2019 Black Summer fires and LLS District Vet Jocelyn Todd on things to look out for in bushfire-impacted livestock. We'll also hear from emergency management business partner Steve Eastwood on the role LLS plays supporting landholders in a natural disaster. The Black Summer was a series of bushfires that ran from late August 2019 through into January 2020. The scale and duration of these fires have not been witnessed on the North Coast before, and many people said that they were unprepared. If you look at the size of the region, it's about 3.2 million hectares, and over a third of it was burnt during that period, with significant impacts to the environment, to communities, and to agriculture. The beef cattle industry was significantly impacted by the bushfires. It's the largest industry on the North Coast, and it takes up about 28% of the land mass, and earns more than any other ag industries put together. So that's why I feel it's important to talk about planning for your livestock, with regard to bushfires. Well, my name is David Duff and uh, in partnership with my wife Carl and we operate a commercial beef enterprise of uh, crossbred Brahmin cattle. We uh, operate a self-replacing herd and we also operate a uh, some trading of livestock. Uh, we join around 450 to 500 females and uh, run those through to various market weights. So if I could take you back to last year, can you describe what it was like in the lead-up to those, those bushfires? There was smoke around for a long time. Do you feel you were prepared or did you think you were prepared for what was to come? Well, look, we're both uh, fourth-generation uh, farming families here on the Maclay in this area and uh, I would like to think that we've got a bit of a clue about what we're trying to do and, you know, how to manage the landscape because we're... We consider ourselves land tenders and um, it's our job to look after the land the best we can. Uh, you probably have um, hit the nail on the head as far as the fire goes. It was no ordinary fire in my um, experience. I've never seen anything like it. And had you put anything in place to sort of prepare for that eventuality? In preparation... Um, we're under drought conditions, so everything was very, very dry. Our livestock, we had in, I did have a reserve of fodder. I like to lock some country up yes. in the summer and have it as a backstop for spring, because spring's our, normally our tough time here. So I had about a third of the property um, reserved for cattle, and we had the cattle on that reserve. So in preparation, yes, we always have um, the garden area and cow and breed Labradors and she's got probably half an acre here at the back of the house, always irrigated. Uh, we're lucky enough to have an irrigation licence and we have uh, a pump down on the river so we water the area all around the house and 
have it um, pretty green, you know, because um, it's a fire, fire uh, deterrent as well as it makes the gardens and anything look, you know, reasonably healthy. And it's nice to come home to a green lawn when you've been out feeding cattle in amongst dust and, and you know, burnt off, burnt off grass and everything. I can imagine. We had three what I call spay units. I'd gotten all those ready probably three weeks before this fire event. Like I'd serviced them up and made sure they were fully operational because it was fire time and that's probably a normal thing for us to do, to prepare yes. our yes. gear and have everything ready to go if we think that there's going to be a fire risk. So we take, um, we take some... Uh, preparation as far as saving the house and that sort of thing. With that in mind, knowing what you've seen now, is there something that you would do differently for this season coming up? I'm still trying to figure that out. I haven't really come up with a with a real solution as to um, what the answer is, but we are constantly thinking about it. I mean, some of the paddocks that I had adjacent to where the cattle were was soybean cultivation paddock, and it was as bare as bare. Like it was just dirt. There was no, there was no grass cover on it whatsoever. So if I'd have known that the fire was going to be like it, yes, I should have moved the cows onto that bare ground. But look, honestly, I there was no time to worry about that. I mean, within two hours, this thing pounced upon us, and I mean, I put it out underneath our veranda. So. Basically, we were lucky to save what we saved and lucky to get out of it with our lives, I think. And I honestly, the the week, oh, a few days after, we went and inspected all the cattle and we thought we'd come through it not too badly. You know, we thought they were pretty good. It wasn't until the week after that um, they showed signs of being inundated with fire. And LLS uh, vets came down and euthanized about 70 head for us. Yeah, that's one thing I did want to ask you is about what sort of challenges you faced after the bushfire went through with your livestock? The signs are not always that obvious. And like you said, you, you, there was a gradual thing where you started to notice. What sort of things did you start to notice? Um, basically, the first thing I noticed was, um, you know, they were sore in the feet. So um, they, they presented some sort of lameness and that sort of thing. And uh, that's when we, I think, rang the vets and asked the question, you know. And... Um, some cows started to blister on the teats, um, which meant that the calves couldn't suckle. Um, uh, just general signs of uh, ill thrift, you know. Uh, some cows were obviously affected by the smoke, um, whether they breathed in flames and smoke. I don't know. I wasn't there, so I, can't, I yes. can only guess at, at, at what the actual thing. But we had cows with burnt patches on their ribs and that sort of thing. So obviously they were in a a pretty intense fire situation. So I think internally there was probably uh, some damage as well. So, I mean, basically it comes down to just stockmanship and knowing, you know, when your cow looks right and when your cow doesn't look right. So I'm Jocelyn Todd. I'm the district vet for the Grafton and Coffs Harbour region local land services. For last year during the bushfire season, did you get involved in some of the on-ground activities? Yeah, so I was heavily involved in the fire response both down in Kempsey and up around Grafton, and particularly north of Grafton. And can you describe what sort of things you were doing on the ground? So we were going out to people post-fire and assessing their livestock for welfare and destruction if required. So understandably you saw a lot of burns and injuries on livestock. 
that survived the fires. Um, what sort of things do landholders need to look out for when assessing injured land st- uh, livestock? So I suppose the, the easy one, I guess, is severe burns, but then also even mild burns to 10% of the body can be an issue. Uh, there'll also be lameness, so they get burnt feet, and that doesn't always show up significantly for a few days, but they will be lame initially, and also coughing from smoke inhalation and lung damage secondary to being in the fire. So are these kind of injuries, injuries quite easy to see? That's hard. It's easy for me to see, but yeah. I think for people who aren't trained in it, it is not always very obvious. Yep. It'll be because, and there's a difference between having a little cough and being in severe respiratory distress, yep. but it's not a black and white line between them. And, and same as you can have lame cattle that may be salvageable and you can have, we had cattle that were only mildly lame because all four feet were so affected yes. that they couldn't be lame on any one leg. So it can be quite difficult to tell. Um, and it's not just the obvious industries, injuries that can cause problems after a bushfire. What other things might impact stock and their welfare after a bushfire? Predominantly it's lack of feed and water or access to those. So you've got to be able to, you know, these cattle are pretty shocked and so you need to be able to put high-quality fodder and water in a position where they can access it really easily without having to travel very far. Um, But we also saw quite a lot of toxicities following the fire, whether that was from chemicals or batteries or lead paint or copper's logs that got burnt during the fire and then the ash is highly toxic but not very obvious. And so if cattle are nosing around in that, they can get poisoned very quickly. Uh, We also saw a lot of toxicities well after the fire, after it had rained, with the regrowth of pasture and weeds associated with that and hungry cattle eating weeds that they normally wouldn't touch. And from what you've seen, and obviously your your background as a a vet, what would you say was the single most important bit of advice you could offer a landholder when it comes to being able to deal with livestock before, during and after a bushfire? Uh, So before, you know, have a plan. We can't say it enough. Have a plan and activate it if you can. You can't always, but if you can do, move your livestock early because it's really difficult to move them with a fire front there because they panic and they're difficult to handle. Uh, During the fire, if you can't, if you weren't able to move your livestock beforehand, cut your fences in the corners because that's where the cattle end up. So cut cut all your fences in the corners so that they can get out if they can because there's nothing worse than coming to see a pile of bodies stuck in the corner of a paddock that couldn't escape the fire. And after the fire, you know, providing adequate high-quality feed and water, providing vet care and nursing as required, uh, and, you know, really consider selling your stock because that's often the most practical decision after a fire because they can be, if all your fences are burnt, it's very difficult to manage that livestock and it's not a quick fix to get all that infrastructure back in place. We're going to talk to Steve Eastwood, who's the business partner for Local Land Services Emergency Management and he's based up in Armadale. He's been a district vet up there for a long time and has had a lot of experience managing emergencies, both biosecurity and natural disasters. I'm Steve Eastwood. I work for Local Land Services at the state level and we sort of oversee our role in emergency management. So we have two primary roles um, and 
they relate to providing support to DPI. So DPI are what they call the combat agency for biosecurity and food safety emergency responses. And we're the main organisation that provides support to DPI in those. And the other one is delivering the ag or agriculture and animal services functional area. So it's just a fancy way of saying that we look after um, all the um, animals and ag issues that arise from natural disaster events. So when RFS are out there um, looking after the fire itself or SES are um, looking after the floods and the impact there with people, we provide support to them for the animal side. And what support and assistance does uh, local land services provide to landholders in the event of, say, bushfire or other emergencies? So we've got a, approximately a 1,000 staff across the state. They obviously work with the communities that they live amongst and they know the area, they know the people, um, they know what the risks are. So um, they're able to provide support through some of the arrangements, particularly when disasters are actually declared. We're able to provide support in the way of emergency fodder or emergency water for stock, particularly if there's a animal welfare issue arising from that. We have staff in evacuation centres because obviously when you have uh, people that are evacuating from natural disasters, many of them have companion animals and when they evacuate, they need support with those animals. We And from a producer point of view, we actually have um, vet teams that go out. So we have normally team up a district vet and a biosecurity officer who will go out and provide advice to impacted landholders. They'll make stock assessments. Um, they can provide advice on treatment around those, um, around the animals that have been impacted. Um, if need be, they'll euthanise those animals and we can arrange for you know, unpleasant things like the disposal of those animals too. You've got quite considerable experience operationally on the ground. What types of measures have you seen put in place by landholders that have um, have made a difference through or after the bushfire? Yeah, look, the, those landholders that are prepared, those that have actually got plans in place, and in particular when they've done the plans, um, they've thought about what they're going to do with their stock. They're the ones that we normally turn up to have a quick chat and you know can can leave pretty quickly. Um, you know the the they've identified where they needed to put the animals. They've had paddocks which were already prepared, nice open, you know safe paddocks. Um, and it, it's typically those landholders that have they may even have a plan in place, but they didn't really think too much about the stock side of things. They're the ones that we've got to spend a fair bit of time on and they're the ones that, you know, unfortunately um, have animals that are actually impacted the most. SES have pulled together a lot of information and developed a website where we are pointing people towards and it's called Get Ready Animals. It gives you a whole lot of information around um, planning for not just companion animals but livestock, including horses. And when you are looking at stock or horses, the key thing is ensure you've got a pick, which most producers are going to have already. Can you explain what a what a pick is? Well, it's a property identification code. 
So most people will have a pick already if they've got livestock. Make sure your animals are easily identified because in the event of a response, quite often animals will get mixed up with your neighbours or, you know, when fences are destroyed, they'll go wandering. The other thing is to think about having an emergency kit. So many people have already got an emergency kit for storms or fires, um, but, you know, you need to think about what would I actually need for my animals. So they'll have a separate emergency kit. And there's a really good list on the Get Ready Animals website. I think it is important to re-emphasise some of the key messages we've heard about preparing a property and making sure you take action. We've heard people talk about their equipment and making sure it's maintained and ready for the season, putting in fire breaks and ensuring there are areas where the animals can get to, whether that's a river or in flat country where there's not much to burn. But it is really important to make sure that you consider areas where you can prepare and make sure that it actually does happen. Talking to your family members, making sure your staff and your neighbours know what's going on is also really important. So everyone is very clear about what needs to happen and when. Communication does become an issue during the bushfires, so people have talked about having two-way radios so they can communicate with the fire services, they can communicate with their staff and neighbours, and making sure you know the conditions. So make sure that you've got the, the Fires Near Me app, you're listening to the ABC radio, and you've got a good idea of the conditions and what's happening with the fire. But the other side of that is also knowing the conditions of the season. If you know that it's going to be a particularly dry, hot summer season, and if you know that there's a lot of fuel load around, well, that adds another dimension there of preparation. The main take-home message from this is that what you do now can significantly improve the impact of the bushfire, particularly on your livestock. So make a plan, and most importantly, make sure you implement that plan. For more information on preparing your animals for fire, search for the SES Get Ready Animals site or visit lls.nsw.gov.au. You can also contact your nearest LLS office by calling 1300 795 299. This podcast was brought to you by North Coast Local Land Services with the support of the Australian Government's National Land Care Program. Mm-hmm.